Well, tonight I am very, very excited. If you were not here last week, uh, tonight we're talking about being anchored in Christ, a continuation of what I talked about last week. If you don't know who I am, if you're a first-time guest here, I'm, I'm Pastor Jared Gregory. I'm one of the worship pastors here. And I'm very excited for the word God gave me for us tonight. Last week we talked about being anchored in Christ and the importance of staying anchored in our relationship with Christ. So we've worshiped, we've prayed. Let's get down to business. Before we go any further, I got a good dad joke for you guys. Come on. I have four kids. What's the loudest pet you can have? A trumpet. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Enough cheesy humor. I'm sorry. I like that stuff. My kids get a kick out of it. They keep me with a fresh supply of good dad jokes. And all the dads say amen. <laughs> well, you guys, let's dive right in. Last week we camped out in Hebrews chapter 6. If you brought your Bibles today, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. I want to dive right in. I'm looking at verses 13 through 20. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy, here it is, anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So last week we talked about the anchor for our souls, that trustworthy anchor for our souls. We talked about, just a quick recap if you missed it, we talked about our hope in God's promises that God tells us there, and I love it, in verse 17 in chapter 6, God says this, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So that those who received the promise, that's us. That's us. So in that portion of scripture in Hebrews 6, the writer of Hebrews is referring to the Old Testament of God appearing to Abraham, making a covenant with him, telling Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. And how many of you guys know that when God makes a promise, does he do it for himself, his benefit, or does he do it for ours? Because the Bible says God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so you can hold up this book and stand on every promise that God gives us. This is God's love letter to us. God did not give us the Bible for his benefit, but for ours. And we talked about holding on to that hope in God's promises. Last week we connected in 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at faith, hope, and love and how there's a connection between those three things. That our faith is based on our hope in God's promises. 
And you know, when God makes a promise to you, it's not like an earthly father. He's not an earthly father. Many of us, unfortunately, we have a, a, a distorted view of a father's love because a lot of times we have those fathers that maybe made a promise and didn't keep it or a father that was absent or a father that there was an abuse that had taken place. But God's not a father like that. He's a perfect father, and he loves us perfectly. And so our faith is based on our hope in his promises. And that hope in his promises is rooted in that father's love, that we have a perfect father that loves us perfectly. Amen? And that's something we can hold on to. That is a hope that we can hold on to. Hebrews 6 there says it's an anchor, a trustworthy anchor for our souls. I love that. I love that. I'm going to grab a bottle of this water before my mouth goes completely dry. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tonight, we're going to talk about the practice of staying anchored. The practice of staying anchored in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me set the stage a little bit for us. A couple weeks ago, my family and I, we went on a vacation to Hot Springs, Arkansas. I know you're saying, who goes to Arkansas on vacation? It was my first time there. It was beautiful. I, we loved it. We had a great time. My in-laws have a house there in Hot Springs, and so we went and visited them. And we ended up on a boat on Lake Wachita. If you guys know where Lake Wachita is, it's a big lake, big man-made lake right there uh, around the Hot Springs area. And it's, it's large and it's deep. It's large and it's deep. And we ended up on that lake and my brother and sister-in-law had brought their boat as well. And so we're there. We, we find this cool spot where there's some cliffs uh, rising up where you can jump off the cliffs into the water. It was awesome. The boys on the trip, my nephews, they loved it. But the water there is very deep. The, the lake is actually world uh, known all over the world for being able to scuba dive. And, and people will scuba dive in this lake. And they'll go spearfishing for these really big striped bass. It's pretty cool. Um, but the lake is really deep. And so my brother-in-law, he sets anchor. We anchor. We're, we're having fun. And a storm starts rolling in. And as this storm starts rolling in, God speaks to me. And he says, when the storms of life hit, how well are you anchored? And that's where last week and tonight come from. God downloaded this to me, so I'm very excited to dive in. Tonight, as we talk about the practice of staying anchored in our relationship with Jesus Christ. God gave me four points. So if you're taking notes, God gave me four points. And so uh, you all know how an anchor works. In the, the word picture, as you guys picture dropping an anchor from a boat, you know, really that anchor, that rope and that anchor that touches the bottom represents our relationship with God. And really the lake bottom or the ocean floor, wherever you would drop that anchor, that represents God. That is the thing that is not moving. God does not move. He is unchanging. Every promise, like we talked about last week, we can stand on every promise. It does not change. Amen. And so point number one, as you drop that anchor, you're lowering it into the water. Sometimes you're going to have to add a little bit more rope to set that anchor. My brother-in-law, he dropped the anchor down, and he got all the way to, he had no more rope left. He got all the way 
to the end of the rope, and he still had not hit the bottom. And so he had to tie another rope, another long length of rope, to be able to reach the bottom. And so I would just ask you guys tonight, is there any part of your life in your walk with God, your daily relationship with God, where you need to add a little more rope in order to stay anchored? Know this, before we go any further tonight, you guys, tonight is very much about walking away with practical applications. You know, Wednesday night, the Wednesday night service, the vision, part of the vision behind it is that you would walk out of these doors with some practicals to walk out your faith every single day. And so that's my prayer. This is a very uh, fundamental message tonight. This is a fundamental reminder. I'm, you may be reminded of truths. You already know how many of you guys know. Truth is truth. And we need to be reminded of truth over and over because we are fickle humans and we forget things really quickly. I know I do. I chalk it up. I just tell everybody I'm a musician. <laughs> it doesn't work, though. Especially with my wife. <laughs> All right, moving on. So I would just ask you guys, is there an area of your life when you need to add some rope? How is your daily relationship with God? Do you put your relationship with God as a priority every day? You know, my relationship with my wife and my kids, if I don't prioritize spending time with them, we have four kids, 11 and under. If I don't prioritize time with my wife and my children, we're not going to have a good relationship. I have to make it a priority. I want my wife to know that I love her. And so I'm going to spend time with her. I'm going to fight for it. I want my kids to know what their, dad, their dad's voice sounds like. I want my kids to know what it feels like when their dad wraps his arms around them and gives them a hug. I want my kids even to know what I smell like, whether good or bad. I want them to know. Because I want them to know the presence of a father that loves them. God is omnipresent. He's always with you. The three omnis with God, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He's always with you, and God is always reminding you in the little things, because God cares about the little things, and in the big things, he's reminding you that he loves you. And so many times, we just need to add a little more rope to that anchor to really sink in and to walk in that daily relationship with God, because he's always there. He's always available. But we live in a society. We've never lived in a society like this before. We are bombarded with entertainment. Our communication's never been like it is. You can literally talk to somebody on the other side of the planet right now with the push of a button. Our travel's never been like it has. So we need to quiet down that noise every day and make sure we're spending intimate moments with our Father God. And so with that, there are two biggies, two biggies. You got to be in the Word every day. You got to be in God's Word every day. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the Word of God and put it into practice. James 1, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You got to put God's Word not only into practice, to put it into practice, you've got to know it, right? I've heard people say, you know, I, I just, I have a hard time remembering Scripture. Here's the thing when it comes to getting into God's Word. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast two weeks ago. 
I'm sure it was delicious. But you know what? It nourished me. I do know that. It nourished me and it got me through that day. That's how we need to be with God's word. We may not necessarily remember word for word what that scripture was, but God will nourish you with it and the Holy Spirit in you will call to your remembrance that word that God, the word, the Bible says he's writing it on the tablet of your heart. The Holy Spirit will call that word to remembrance right when you need it. Got to be in the word every day. And I love in John 14, 21, Jesus says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Jesus connects being in the word and being hungry for God's word with us loving him and walking in an anchored relationship with him. Another biggie, to drop a little more rope onto that anchor, is to be in an atmosphere of worship every day. Cultivate, cultivate a mindset of worship. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is key, you guys, get this. To be a true representative, like the word tells us to be there, we have to be aware of who we are representing. To be a true representative, you have to be aware 24 hours a day, seven days a week, of just who it is you are representing. Live a lifestyle with an awareness that everything you do or say can be an act of worship to glorify God. I'm a worship pastor. Music is one of the ways in which I worship God but music in and of itself is not the only means to worship, right? Like we read there in Colossians. Everything you do or say, do it as a representative. Do it as an act of worship to a God that loves you and has called you to a higher place. To go into a, a room and change the atmosphere for him. Not in your own strength, but just let him work through you. The second point. Second point. So the first is you may need to add a little rope to your anchor. The second point, when you are anchored and when the storm hits, you may drift a little, but the anchor will keep you from moving where you shouldn't go. Right? The storms of life hit. I shared last week with you guys the last couple of months what I've been going through. My mother passed away a couple months ago. And so I've been going through this just like everybody else. The enemy, when those storms of life hit, the first thing the enemy is going to try to attack is your hope in God and in his promises. But you know what? An anchor is designed to keep a vessel from moving where it should not go. Let me read this to you guys. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You carry the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I carry the Holy Spirit. Say, God lives in me. Yes. Oh, come on. Let's say it with some ump. God lives in me. Yes. Yes. Pastor Ken said it on Sunday morning as we took communion together. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. 
Isn't that amazing? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark was where God's manifest presence, he chose to let his presence reside over the Ark of the Covenant. But now in the New Testament, New Covenant Christians, God did away with that old system. And you know what? The very presence of God is in you, working in you, working through you, like we've said from the start, to change the atmosphere, every single atmosphere you walk into. God is leading you. God is guiding you, speaking to you through the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Part of staying anchored in Christ is listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction gets a bad rap, the word conviction. Let me read the definition for you guys. The act of convincing a person of error or of compelling the admission of a truth. When you came to Christ, you became a new creation. God made you a new creation. You're not the same person you were before. And that's good news, amen? You have a new nature. 1 John 5.18, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. When you came to Christ, God shut down your sin factory. Granted, we still have to deal with the effects and the consequences of sin. It's like an automobile factory when it gets shut down. You still see cars on the road, even though the factory may be shut down. You still see some of those cars, right? And your flesh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real with you guys. Our flesh still stinks, right? <laughs> God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God has made us triune beings. We are spirits, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And that's why the Bible says to live by the spirit and not by the flesh. And that's why God sends the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to direct us, so that when we start to drift into areas we should not be, we need to be listening. When God speaks to our heart and says, you need to get back on track. You need to get back on track. You're getting into territory I don't want you to be. And God does that because he loves us. John 15, 26. I love this chapter in John, uh, John 14, 15, 16. It's the Last Supper. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before he is crucified. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's about to go down. And so the Last Supper, what Jesus speaks into his disciples in the Last Supper, it's beautiful because Jesus knows his time. This side of heaven is short. And so Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. The Greek word for advocate here is parakletos. Everybody say parakletos. It's from a compound word, para meaning beside, kaleo meaning to call. And if you combine them together, compound them together, it means call to one side as an intercessor, a helper, an advocate, and a counselor. Isn't that good news that you can go to God every day knowing he's going to counsel you? He's going to guide you? He's going to lead you? In non-biblical literature of the day, the word parakletos, it carried a meaning of an attorney that appears in court on another's behalf. 
God is speaking every day. I want to give you guys an example of something that happened to my wife and I. Our third child, uh, Nariah, she's a darling little five-year-old. We were serving at Restore Church in Ionia, Michigan at this time. Alicia was pregnant with Nariah at this time. And um, she's she's about to pop. (laughs) She's about any day now. And there's this great godly woman that, that attends the church there in Ionia. God had been speaking to her, and she talked to Alicia and I about how God had been speaking to her to pray. Uh, God, God revealed to her that the umbilical cord was going to be wrapped around Nariah's neck. And God spoke to her to pray that it would not harm her. That that umbilical cord being wrapped around the neck would cause no damage to her. And, of course, that's not comforting news to hear, right? A little unsettling. But sure enough, Alicia goes into labor. Nariah is born. And as the doctor is, is, is bringing her out, he tells Alicia to stop for a second. He had to unwind the umbilical cord that was wrapped around Nariah's neck. But you know what? He said it was wrapped loosely around her neck. And there was no harm to her whatsoever. That's a great example that God is still speaking to his people today. And again, what we need to do, our part, is quiet the noise, quiet the distraction, set aside time, drop that anchor all the more deeper into our relationship with God and just listen, right? And so I just want to ask you this very practically. When was the last time you had a quiet time with God and you listened more than you prayed? When was the last time you just got into that quiet place with God and you just said, Lord, I'm here? And you just listen. So many times, and I know I'm, I'm talking to myself here, so many times I get in my prayer closet and I speak more than I listen. But why would I not quiet down a little bit As I'm telling God all of my junk, I'm talking to the creator of heaven and earth who knows every single thing about me. He knows the best plan for my life. I need to shut my mouth sometimes and just listen, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm preaching to myself right there, you guys. Number three, when the storm is raging, you will need help to stay anchored. Guys, you need godly friends. We need to have godly friends. You need to have godly friends. I'm just, the Bible talks about this so much, so much. And again, this is a very practical message, but it's one you do not want to forget. It's one you need to take a walk away from this room tonight and ask God how you can put this into practice in your life. If you don't have those godly friends, you need them. Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Proverbs 17.17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Right there, confess your sins to each other. Prayer plus confession equals healing. Colossians 
3.16, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Here it is. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So I'm just going to ask, take inventory of your heart tonight. Who's that godly person who is in your life that you've allowed to speak into your life, that godly person that helps you stay anchored in your relationship with Christ? More specifically, who's that person you've allowed into your life to be able to say, hey, how's your anchor holding, man? How's your anchor holding? You struggling? You hurting? Because I'm here to help. I'm here to pray. Do you have a person like that in your life? If you don't, you need it. I'm so grateful for Pastor Ken. He's one of those people in my life. He has been since I started in full-time ministry. I know I can call on him and say, man, I, I, need, I need you to pray with me right now. And I'm grateful for that. You need one of those people in your life. Here's just some, some guidelines to follow, some practical guidelines. As you're praying about this person, this person should be somebody of the same gender. Especially if you're married. That's a boundary you don't cross. It needs to be someone who will sharpen you. A Christian brother or sister that will sharpen you. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Somebody that will sharpen you. It's somebody that needs to be in the word. You know them to be somebody that's in God's word. Because if they are in the word, they're going to give you godly counsel. When you maybe start to drift. And the fourth thing. The fourth thing. To stay anchored in God. You need to help others stay anchored. You need to be a person that serves. That serves. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our model. Jesus came and lived an earthly life. God in the flesh. He operated in the power of the Holy Spirit during his time this side of heaven. And he modeled it out for us. And the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, tells us that we need to, we need to serve first. We don't need to seek to be served, but to serve. Many times... You know, when we're struggling to stay anchored, serving can be eye-opening as to just how blessed we really are. I've heard it said from a pastor's standpoint that if a pastor's maybe marriage is hurting or struggling, a good counsel is to teach on marriage. Is to teach on marriage. When you're struggling with something, you got to get out of your comfort zone when you're struggling to stay anchored and you need to serve others. So many times, especially when we struggle maybe in the area of holding on to material things, to go and serve our community and see people that are struggling more than us to make ends meet, people that are struggling to feed their children. It's an eye-opener for us as to just how blessed we really are. It's because in those seasons, when we are pouring out into others, it forces us to feed ourselves and our relationship with God for more than just ourselves, right? 
to really effectively serve others and pour into others, we have to seek God to feed us for more than just us. And so I would just encourage you, seek God on where he would have you be a blessing to others. When it comes to serving, there's lots of areas you can serve every single day, you guys. doesn't have to be monstrous or major because, like I said earlier, God is in the little things. There's plenty of opportunities to serve in the local church. in your community, with your neighbors, the people that maybe live right next door across the street. You don't have to wait for a green light. Jesus already gave you that. Jesus already gave you that green light. Do whatever you can to help grow God's kingdom. Whatever you can to help grow God's kingdom because when you serve others, you're helping to grow God's kingdom here on earth. The beautiful thing about serving, especially if you're serving somebody that's not a believer, you know what that does when they look at you and it's counterculture, right? It's not something they're used to. For somebody to go out of their way and help them, that's, that's not the norm in our society and our culture, especially as disconnected as we have become through social media. And it, It's amazing when you stand in line somewhere, everybody staring at their screens rather than just talking to one another. So it's foreign to them. And it, there's your green light when somebody says, man, this is different, but I like it. That's an open door for you to say, let me, let me tell you why I do this. It's because Jesus Christ already paid it all for me, and I'm just doing what he's told me to do. And he loves you too. I love, as we, as we talk about serving, I love the story of David. King David in the Old Testament In 2 Samuel 7, we see David wanted to build a temple for God. David was living in a a beautiful house. He had had this beautiful palace built. And he sees that the Ark of the Covenant, God's very manifest presence, is in a tabernacle. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was a mobile meeting place. It was a tent. It was a beautiful tent that God had laid out the dimensions for, the instructions for, for its construction. But God... David, it did not sit right with David that God, God's presence was in a tent. And David had this beautiful house. It didn't sit well with David. And so David set his sights on building a temple for God. And then God later that night appears to the prophet Nathan and tells Nathan to tell David to put the brakes on. That it's not for David to build the temple, it's for his son Solomon to build the temple for God. And I love what David does here. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 5 and 7, David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin to make preparations for it now. So David collected a vast, vast amounts of building materials before his death. Then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build a temple for the Lord the God of Israel, my son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him. David had a heart to do whatever he possibly could to honor his God, to honor his heavenly father. And so God put the brakes 
on something that David really wanted to do. And God said, no, David, this is not for you to do. This is for one of your descendants. This is for Solomon. So you know what David did? He said, all right, Lord, that's fine, but I'm still going to do everything I can to make sure that it is wonderful and it's beautiful and it honors you. That's the heart God wants us to have in terms of serving. God, what can I do to honor you? What can I do, big or small, every single day, what can I do to honor you? Because at the end of the day, we were bought with a price, weren't we? Jesus Christ shed his blood, poured his blood out, paid the ultimate price so that we could be saved and have the best life possible, not just in eternity, but right now in this place today. And that is a reason to come to God and say, God, whatever it is, here I am. Here I am. Use me. Work through me. And I love this picture of David because God said David was a man after his own heart. I would love for God to say that about me. When my time this side of heaven is over. For him to say that. There you go. There you go, son. A man after my own heart. I say that to my son all the time when we dig into the cheesecake or the ice cream. Boy, after my own heart. <laughs> Ken, Pastor Ken, why don't you come on up. There is always somewhere and someone you can pour into and help them stay anchored in Christ. I want to say that again. There is always somewhere and someone that you can pour into to help someone stay anchored in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, as we bring tonight to a close, I asked Pastor Ken to do one more song. I wanted to end tonight with just a little bit of a ministry time. And I, I just want to ask you guys, I, very much we want tonight to be a night where you walk out of these doors with some practical takeaways. And I pray you got some of that tonight. But just like we talked about, just quieting the noise, quieting the distractions, I just wanted to leave a little bit of room at the end of this service tonight for you guys to have a moment with God. To ask God, is there an area of your life that you need to drop a little more rope? Is there an area of your life when you've kind of been tuning out what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is there an area of your life He's trying to bring your attention? A moment for you to say, God, who's that person in my life to help me walk this thing out with you every day? That person that's going to help sharpen me in my faith, that person that's going to help hold me accountable to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better friend, a better brother, a better sister. And God, is there an area of my life that you would have me just surrender and serve?
and pour into others. And so if we could all just bow our heads. I asked Pastor Ken to, to end with this song. It's a beautiful declaration of living a life of worship. And I would just ask as he sings the song, be praying. And I encourage you, you can take a posture of worship. However God's laying on your heart to do, you can stand. You can lift your hands. You can kneel. But this is a moment between you and God right now.